Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Roberta, do you see what I'm wearing? The Royally Obsessed sweatshirt. It's that time of year. It's perfect for the weather right weather. now. Yeah, perfect. All right, you guys know what time it is, the best time of the week, we hope. It is time for Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. Of course, you can keep up with the latest royal news and podcast episodes on at Royally Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. Also, we're on TikTok now, big deal. You can email us info at gallerypodcast.com. You can shop the merch. Rachel's wearing her sweatshirt. It looks so cute. Shop.royallyobsessed.com. Rachel, what are we chatting about? I know a little bit about it, but what else? Well, I I, do, I feel like I can't decide how to order these, but a couple of new royal biographies are coming out. We want to talk about those. The Crown, that's the one I wanted to lead with. It's just so exciting that we have an official date to watch. So We're talking excited. about the whales in Wales. Uh, the Duke of Norfolk has some interesting um, <laughs> just uh, driving difficulties we're going to get into. And... Roberta's officially in a new decade. Happy belated birthday, Roberta. Oh, thank you. I actually had some celebrity sightings. You were just telling me you had one over the weekend. I had two. What was yours? Was it yourself in that newsprint dress? Because that was uh, phenomenal. (laughs) Star power. Oh, my God. Stop. I'm blushing. Um, The newspaper (laughs) dress. It just – it had to have a moment. No, No, it was was two musicians. So – the first when I went out to dinner with Dave, we got drinks before, and Mary J. Blige was there. I guess she was performing in Philly. I know. And then the next day, how crazy is this? Another ex- extremely famous musical act, Haim, was at what? a bakery we went to. I know it was these two were all of the part of your sisters. birthday itinerary. Yeah, were just casually there. They were casually there, so I didn't recognize Haim. It's three girls, but I texted my friends and they were like, you're one degree of separation from Taylor Swift. And I was like, what? but uh, yeah, so two of the three sisters, they said they were waiting for the, a third person to show up and she never showed up. What? That's the tea. What? Anyway, that's that the was tea. my birthday. Remember your Celine Dion close encounter, which that is still gives me chills. That's the ultimate. That's the ultimate. Like I will never, that will never be surpassed. That was when I sat next to her at dinner at, um, I think it was Cipriani's and I mean, we ate in next to each other. York. She said like hi from across the restaurant. It was amazing. <gasps> I love it. Well, your birthday looked absolutely incredible. <laughs> it was everything that was I everything. would wish for you. And I'm glad that it was so fantastic <laughs> and star-studded. But you were the real star in that oh. newsprint dress for Reformation. Oh my gosh. Just got to talk about it so again. so much. I want to say that I'm so excited for your upcoming birthday trip. This is oh, such yes. a big banner month Bin for us. I feel like month. we didn't expect it to go the way it did. But Not at all. Highs <laughs> and extreme you're, lows. <laughs> you're leaving the, at the end of the week for Paris. In the day after tomorrow. The day this episode drops, I depart. Bon and I'm really excited. I know. I can't wait. I still feel like it, it's not real until I'm on a plane, but I know, um, I know. I've started to casually pack and figure that stuff out, so I cannot wait. I did also want to mention really fast that I got a sneak peek as part of my role at Pure Wow of The Empress. I wrote a review of it for Pure Wow, and oh. Oh, I wish I could share it with you, Roberta. It's tagged to my account. It is amazing, and it drops the day the episode this episode comes out. So guys, <gasps> go watch. It is so good. Amazing. And so we should get the party started early yes. <laughs> with our royal refreshment. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. 
What are you sipping? Okay, so I'm sipping a gin and tonic, which I feel like I, I'm going to a concert tonight. It's like these celebrations truly never end. But I was thinking, what do I get at a concert? Like beer is too filling. Seltzer yeah. kind of makes your mouth feel a little weird after like a few of them. And so and wine, like that'll make me tired. So I was thinking gin and tonic. That sounds like a good drink to have. So I'm starting a little early. What about you? That's amazing. I wish I was boozing, but I am on theme. Check me out. I not only have my beautiful Kate and William mug. Gorgeous. From Jennifer Vallas, But look at this crown tea from the original season, season oh. one. <laughs> I miss Claire Foy so much. It's the Republic of Tea. And I feel like they do a lot of these collabs. So we have to keep a lookout for it. But we're going to talk about that. I don't want to steal the, the thunder. Yeah, we can't up. steal our own thunder. I wanted to say quickly that I got some amazing birthday gifts and text messages and DMs and all the love on Instagram and social media. But I think one of the best birthday updates was from Kate Middleton's brother, James. Of course, I have such a soft spot for him. He wrote you a note, of course, right? He wrote me a note. No. He <laughs> – I I can't tell you what my reaction would be to that. Um, he did an exclusive interview with Hello Magazine that came out yesterday, I believe, and he named one of his new Golden Retriever puppies Birdie. Wait, I saw this and I meant after, to text you immediately. After, after you. Queen Elizabeth's father, <laughs> Birdie, King George the Sixth, but also, yeah, like what are the odds that it's my birthday weekend and he names his dog? Total, Birdie. total coincidence. His dog I is also gonna live a life of service, which he said like as a shout out to Queen Elizabeth's life and legacy, which was so sweet. And it so it's going to be um training to be a seeing eye dog, which is really sweet. So it was a wink to you. <laughs> As well. I should write him a letter, though. I think I will. Yes. I need to get his address somehow. Yes. That's kind of creepy. Ella but. and co. Send it that way. Uh, all right. Well, I want to talk about a reader email that we received. A thoughtful note from Chris in Texas. They wrote, this past week, this this came in in we were we've been inundated with reader emails, so we might have a bit of a delay. Um, and I keep saying reader emails. Should I dial this back? <laughs> yeah, dial it back, run it back. Okay, run it back. Rewind. All right. Well, let's talk about this listener email that we received from Chris in Texas. They wrote, this past week has given me pause to reflect on Queen Camilla. I feel that regardless of how any of us have reacted to her over the past 30 years, today in 2022, she deserves a moment to start this new role and be allowed to fully support His Majesty the King without qualification or hindrance. She's been his wife for 17 years now and his life's love for much longer than that. I don't know whether or not she ever truly wanted such a very public role as queen consort, but as she is the wife of the king, that is what she is, regardless of anyone's opinion of her. After watching them together for the past 10 days, I have been impressed by her dedication to the king and being at his side as a family leader every step of the way. Internally, I have decided to do my best to put aside my preconceptions about her, and I hope others will too. While adultery is still a terrible thing, I know I would have to cancel and omit several of my relatives if I didn't participate in forgiveness over time, and I'm going to apply that to Her Majesty, the Queen Consort, as well. People Magazine officially just is writing Queen Camilla, which is what a lot of uh, experts and a few of us predicted would happen. Just I feel like that's the shorthand. Yeah, it's so much easier to just say Queen Camilla. And I, I think I think that's acceptable. I think that as you're like colloquially speaking, that should be the term that we all use. And I totally agree with this person. I feel like we do need to give her a chance. It has been such a long time. I am worried about the fallout from the crown, which we will talk about. But oh just gosh. it is, it's true. She's been, she's really like, been so dedicated to her patronages, to the service, to Charles especially. So I just think about her cool and calm during that pen moment too, like just showing what a steady 
hand she likely plays in his life and how important that is for him as he takes on this bigger role to have that consistency. But and you're right, it is a forward looking moment. <laughs> but I'm still making will, peace with that, the past. That I keeps think a little bit. Up. Yeah. 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 The pen. Poor Charles. I don't mean to like rake him over the coals with that, but it is. Uh, it just know, keeps coming up randomly in our episodes and we'll never forget. But yeah, no, it's so, so true. Yeah. All right. This week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. Interestingly enough, very pertinent to what we are talking about, September 28th, 1745, I don't know if we've ever thrown it back this far, <laughs> was the first time God Save the King was sung in its current form. It definitely existed in other forms before this. All you historians out there, do not at us. It was out there, but God Save the King was sung at the Drury Lane Theater in London in 1745 this week. So the 200-year-old magazine, The Gentleman, published a song in 1745 called God Save Our Lord the King. And as the royal family's website explains, Prince Charles Edward Stuart the Pretender defeated the army of King George II near Edinburgh. Everyone was in a fit of patriotic fervor that he would march on London. And so the leader of the band at the Theatre Royal on Drury Lane arranged God Save the King for the performance after a play. It was a runaway success. Everyone loved it. It was repeated night after night. And the practice spread to other theaters in London. And the custom of greeting monarchs with the song as he or she entered a place of public entertainment was thus established. Queen Victoria loved the song so much, she even changed and added verses for occasions like royal birth births and celebrations and christenings and so, so spontaneous of I, know. I love that <laughs> and so while we may not be used to saying it i feel like i'm not used to saying god save the king yet it has been around for 300 years and this week in royal history is very apropos i know i'm still not used to it i also am really struggling internally cuz just casually around my apartment, I have all these like little Queen Elizabeth mementos. Like this is on my desk, Roberta. It's one of those little like solar powered queens. Like, do <laughs> I, I need- never thought you would be a bobblehead person. <laughs> Someone gave this to me. Someone gave I it to me, shocked. and I've just always had it. But I'm like, what? I just don't. I don't know. I'm still just keeping it out. I can't make the change yet, and that's how I feel sometimes about God Save the King. I. I need to practice it for all the occasions when I'm singing it, by Oh, the way. totally. Yeah, <laughs> when we have to sing it all the time as yeah. our national anthem. No, um, it does feel strange, too, to see, like, there was a photo released this weekend with Charles and the red box, and it's the first photo of him, like, doing his duty and behind-the-scenes work. And we know he gets this box every day except Christmas. And also his new royal cipher, mm-hmm. which did you see? You, did you see the Daily Mail story that Omid tweeted? It was Cristiano, and they yes. copied Ronaldo Cristiano's cipher. And I couldn't stop laughing. Not Cristiano, but it is. It's like the exact replica of his, which is kind of weird. I don't know how they came up with that, but yeah, I know, but I am liking all these like tiny touches that Charles is rolling out. And speaking of Omid, I loved that piece that if you haven't read it or our listeners haven't read it about how this is really Charles sink or swim moment. You know, Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. it's so strange that he is 73 and just coming into this massive job, whereas people at his age are retiring and kind of getting to take on so many more of their recreations. Like I, I love the detail that there's no more days of watercolor painting for Charles, just kind of casual. Like that must be so sad for him, but he's really prepping and doing all this so well. Yeah. That's kind of like a, like a stab to the heart. Like that is so true. Like I think about my parents, like winding down their careers or just thinking about what their next, you know, how they'll, how they'll 
relax and leisurely, you know, go on vacations and all this stuff. And and he's not. He's gearing up for just so much. So that's got to be hard. Let's get into the news of the week. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, we wanted to talk about a couple of new royal biographies that are coming out. One is October 4th and one is October 6th. The New Royals by Katie Nichol, it's Queen Elizabeth's Legacy and the Future of the Crown, was excerpted in Vanity Fair this week, and that is due out October 4th. Then we have Cordier's The Hidden Power Behind the Crown by Valentine Lowe. That comes out October 6th, and that was excerpted in the UK Times. A little background about the Authors, just as a reminder, Katie Nichol is Vanity Fair's royal correspondent. She was the co-host of the Dynasty podcast. She joined us on Royally Obsessed earlier this year. And then Valentine Lowe is the royal reporter for The Times. He's covered the royal family since 2008, so playing the long game. He also broke the story about the bullying allegations against Meghan Markle, which, of course, had very suspicious timing when it was leaked to him in the exact same week, a couple days ahead of the Oprah interview. I remember him on Princes in the Press, that BBC documentary that was his yeah. Jean. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I read them all in full. I actually <laughs> was surprised to discover it. Roberta, fun fact, we still have a UK Times account. So if you ever need it, um, not I didn't quite know sure that. who's getting billed for that <laughs> I internally think I at just our company. automatically logged in or something. I just never. <laughs> but uh, I was like, I logged in. They were like, yeah, you have an account. So it's been a minute since I dove deep um, into their archives. But The revelations that jumped out to me, let's talk about the new royals first. The coronation details were included, a couple of notes from Katie Nichol. It's officially called Operation Golden Orb. This, because we've been talking a lot with different interviews about royal jewelry, there was this nugget that Camilla is set to wear the Queen Mother's crown and that Charles kind of has this real big interest in making these comparisons. And we know that he had a very deep connection with the Queen Mum, who was the last queen consort and that sort of alignment makes a lot of sense. So I thought that was interesting. Also, light was shed on the Sussexes meeting with Charles ahead of The Hague. Remember that they dropped by. We got some rumblings about this that in April, this wasn't when they were there with the kids for the Jubilee. This was earlier in the year. Oh, right, Um, yeah. They passed by Clarence House. And apparently the Sussexes were late to the meeting, so they ended up only having about 15 minutes. This is according to Katie Nichol with Charles and Camilla. There were hugs. Harry and Meghan suggested the use of a mediator. And this in the book said, or in the excerpt says that Camilla was absolutely spitting out her tea over that idea, which I thought was an interesting tidbit <laughs> only because it's picturing Camilla spitting out <laughs> yeah. her tea is like the perfect, like, yeah, the perfect image, but reaction shot. Yeah, I think it's like their sort of modernity with talking through family issues mixed with the traditional ways of the royal family doing something. Again, taking all this with a grain of salt because this is one person's perspective. Mm -hmm. One other detail that jumped out was just, you know, there's so much back and forth about the brothers. And I don't think that there's ever been, there really isn't ever that much new information. But Katie's argument is that William just is the one that still can't forgive. And also that the titles for Archie and Lily are really dependent on Charles' slimmed-down monarchy vision, but also the contents of Harry's memoir and Netflix, too. 
So that was those were the tidbits that jumped out. Was there anything else from Katie's that jumped out to you, Roberta? Yeah, the, that is interesting, though, that last tidbit about the contents of the memoir, because I feel like they are holding the titles hostage in a way. That sounds kind of weird, right? Like, Yeah, and this is so much conjecture, too. Like, I think that's what – we'll get into that, but it's that's what yeah. kind of bugs me sometimes more and more. I'm just feeling that Princess in the Press documentary so much in my mind is because there's so much – that is revealed from these various unnamed sources. Mm-hmm. And it just puts us in such a position of having to discern what's real, what's not. And that's yeah. not to like dismiss or take away from what these books put out there. Like I think there's a lot of credibility to or what those people actually ways. told Katie too. Yeah. Like I think that's the perfect example of that is like this anecdote kind of made me go like, what? When I guess one of the Queen's former ladies-in-waiting that is now also deceased, she died in 2020, told Katie that the queen thought it was weird that Meghan wore a white dress to her wedding instead of an off-white dress, which is typical for divorcees, and which is also a super old-school kind of rule that is not really pertinent to today. And so I think that that's – it's like you're getting these anecdotes about the queen who also can't speak – she wouldn't have obviously – never complain, never explain, wouldn't have spoken out about these things, but also can't now at all. And it's spoken through someone who is also not alive anymore and is one of those kind of older ladies who maybe, I don't know. I just, that's why I think a huge grain of salt. Like there's another story about Megan yelling at a courtier about there was egg in this vegan uh, tasting thing that was part of a menu for the wedding. And the queen ran in and was like, we don't speak to people like that, which I cannot see the queen running in and being like, absolutely not. But it's just those things that you just have to be like, hmm, I I love Katie. She was on the podcast. We had a great chat with her recently. Um, but this was also serialized in the Mail on Sunday, which is the Daily Mail. She's been on Dan Wooten's show. She's been on Piers Morgan. So I, I do have a lot of question marks about this, and I will wait till it comes out to see. But I know she has, like, yeah. a really direct line to the palace and also the former Cambridge's, now Wales's. So we'll see. Yeah, Vanity Fair is incredibly credible. I do think it's funny, though, and that that kind of is a great segue into Valentine Lowe's book because there is just so much rehashing. Like, I think this is the book uh, Cordier's, and I think as I was reading the excerpts from that, it almost reads like people are just keeping this laundry list of small dings, like, and then making them into mount, making, is the expression making a mountain out of a molehill? Like, yeah. imagine if someone kept like a list about us, right? Where we're just like going about our day, like <laughs> was slightly rude to that person. Like, I don't think we, you know, I'm not saying that we are rude. No, we're very but like joyful, that one time she people. said this on the pod and but it's that's like, the thing, that kind of haunts me at night though. <laughs> like if I wore the wrong thing, like it yeah. just feels so strange the, that we're rehashing so much. And that's a lot of what the Cordier book does. Totally. They go back to the Sandringham Summit. They talk about PR missteps by the Sussexes. Like when Harry boarded that plane after the Australia tour and said to the media in the back of the plane, thanks for coming, even though you weren't invited, which was corroborated by a lot of reports. It wasn't just Valentine that shared this anecdote. Um, That's a whole other, you know, maybe speaks to what was going on with them gearing up for their exit. But 
Valentine also sheds light on something he calls the Sussex Survivors Club, which is Wait, former employees that are just disgruntled and felt burned by the Sussexes. And that so got a lot of So burned press. that you have to call yourself the Sussex Survivors Club? Yeah. Like, also, like, what kind of mean girl's world is this where you're like – you have like a clicky title now for your group, like your yeah. little group. I don't know. I but just it, felt like that was really funny and weird. Yeah. All of this just seems kind of just, again, like a rehashing. I think that the most interesting and perhaps constructive revelation to me from the excerpts for Valentine Lowe were about the fact, going back to the Sandringham Summit, that five hybrid scenarios were pitched in favor of the Sussexes staying. And wow. supposedly, according to this one account, there was a lot of interest in getting it right because then they would be solving a problem for future generations who weren't in the direct line of succession. And to me, that was really interesting. But it was the queen who ultimately shut it down. And that was because a hybrid role doesn't work if Harry and Meghan weren't consistently following the rules of royal behavior. If they wanted Mm -hmm. to entertain things in the U.S., they would still need to follow the protocols. And I think we maybe could assume some of that? Did we know that a little bit about the reasons the hybrid role was shut down? I mean, now hearing it, I didn't, I feel like I didn't really know that, but now hearing that the queen was like, no, you have to be either royal or not. I can see that because I think that she is from an old school generation that this is how you are royal and this is how you are not. And it is clean cut. And I think, you know, poor Harry and Meghan trying to make their way in this world that's extremely tough on them. And then proposing million and one ways to do it and being told like it's got to be this or that and that's got that is probably just so devastating for them also this is a on top of the fact that they had so many meetings lined up with the queen that were canceled last minute trying to talk to her trying to get her on their side i think it was just it was a culmination it was a storm it was a shit storm and i think you know I don't know if I believe a lot of the low courtier accounts because there's also stories where like people in the palace were all really sad that Harry and Meghan were leaving because they really liked Harry. But I do agree with one of the things he mentions that Harry always had kind of a tough time fitting in. And I think that gives credence to the fact that it's not Megxit. Like Harry had always kind of had struggles within the palace and He was pretty miserable before because a lot of the ideas he had, they said, wouldn't fit into this idea of the Harry, William, and Kate show. Or Mm -hmm. William was already tackling something that Harry also wanted to tackle. And so I think that makes sense in my mind. Like, Harry was already in a really tough place. And then in addition to that, you know, there's all these barriers going up against his choice of spouse. So I, yeah. I just, yeah. I liked the optimism of this, that one part about the hybrid role, because it did make it sound like there was a strategy at play where they were trying to figure it out versus just all this like horrible stuff that was just purely against the Sussexes. But again, this is where I feel so overwhelmed by these biographies and the fact that, yes, there are multiple sides. Like everyone has their own unique perspective on this. Everyone had an individual account, but the vague sourcing just always bothers me and Mm -hmm. shows the potential of Harry's memoir, right? Because how do you compare Harry's voice to the weakness or the power of strength of Harry's voice to the weakness of the vague sourcing? Anonymous sourcing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it just requires a lot of work on us to discern. If there was ever 
a spit your tea out moment for me, like Camilla, it would have to be that Lowe asserts through one of his sources that Megan wanted to be the Beyonce of the UK. Oh God, I, read I was that like, wait, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what's that? was the that? spit your tea out moment. Yeah, I was like, was there is no way out. that she said that she wanted to. And maybe they just said, oh, I inferred that from her actions or something. But yeah. I, that for me was like. We should have a new segment on, on the, the podcast. What's the spit your tea out moment of the week? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great one. <laughs> if we don't have a review, what's the spit your tea out moment? I yeah. love it. All right. This is the news we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Bring the lead, right? Which everyone knows. The crown. I mean, I, I, the, you texted me on my birthday. An amazing gift is that the crown debuted a quick teaser trailer and November 9th, season five coming out. Incredible. We're going to play that teaser really quick. Buckingham Palace is issuing this statement. It is with regret the Prince and Princess of Wales are separate. There's uproar in Britain. After Prince Charles bared his soul to the nation, but the Princess of Wales upstaged her husband. Speaking about her broken marriage, her life, and her future. Allegedly, for a long time, female friends. The tapes are filthy. They're disgusting. The left shocked and concerned by the establishment. This is becoming all-out war. It's as if Netflix was like okay, King Charles, we see your new reign beginning and we're going to throw an absolute grenade onto it. Like (laughs) grenade is the right word, Roberta. (laughs) Because, whoa, they didn't even wait till the Royals mourning period was over to release this. Like the mourning period ended today. And yet this came out Saturday during a virtual event for Netflix. And wow. I know. I mean, you and I were talking about just how wild it is that this could be coinciding with this. And the fact that so many people aren't knowledgeable about the royals, but come in through the crown and take everything as fact. And there's already palace pushback. I saw that they're saying a senior palace source was like, this is a drama, not a documentary. Like, I mean, this will be the the lead up to the coronation, kind of. Like, this will be... The image of Charles and Camilla. And in addition, I mean, not only is King Charles going up against this, also a memoir, also like I just think the chips are piled against stacked against him, I guess is the phrase. And I think, you know, it I, I wonder if they'll push the coronation to as far as like June just to give this some breathing room so that people are like kind of over it. But we've heard the statistics of so many people have now been rewatching the crown, even friends, like anecdotally so many of my friends have told me they're just rewatching The Crown. I would like after to the as Queen's well. death. Yeah, yeah, just to learn more or to refresh themselves after her passing. And it, that is in itself, like it's already all this attention on it. I thought this was funny though. The, the cut always has a good angle for this and tongue in cheek. And it was that Charles shouldn't be worried. He should consider himself so lucky that Dominic West, who is hunky, is portraying him, which I thought was a really he funny He is hunky. Take. Well, that was one question I wanted to ask you. Is there any chance that this could have the opposite effect, where it drums up interest in Charles and Camilla? Like, I mean, obviously, it's a very dark time that they're covering, that it's the Annis Horribilis year and the events of 1992 is what I read on People. But also, Yeah, I think all the 90s, their divorce, separation, all of that. But did you see that supposedly this season will not cover the death of Diana? That will happen in the sixth. Ugh. Which, like, that opening of that season will just... I was really... I don't yeah. know if I was stunned and relieved because I just feel a lot of anxiety about this season a little bit. I wanted to ask you, though, I mean, because 
I thought the cuts take was obviously funny, but it also had some good points about like, it's actually not been that harsh against Charles. Like I think, and you're right, overall, the interest in the monarchy when the crown comes out is at an all time high. So Mm -hmm. the Royal family is the, you know, the talk of the town all eyes on the royal family, they want, you know, it's it's attention. I think the that ultimate they need. publicity. Yeah. Like No is what this... is it? No new what what do people say? No news is bad news or what's right. the statement that everyone all news is good news or something like that? Yeah, when all you're news trying is to market news. something. Right. PR. I don't know that I exactly. believe that. <laughs> I was also one last note, it will be strange, I think, a little bit to see the first fictionalized Elizabeth after her passing, right? Like I, I didn't envision that it was always comparing to her being around and now. I don't know. I know. It's going to be sad. I know. Um, I did like this comment on Instagram. Someone wrote, I wonder if King Charles's new station and uprise in popularity can withstand the retelling of this story. During the last season, the palace turned off the comment section because of the fallout. I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. Mm. We'll have to see. They seem really worried, but I think, you know, there is hope that it seems like Peter Morgan is pretty fair about a lot of the And he did say that this series is the ultimate love letter to the queen, which is a fascinating assessment Way of it. Way to phrase it, yeah. And we know that they both made mistakes in their marriage. Like, we know that Diana wasn't yes. completely blameless. So I think that that's where we'll have to just wait and see, but I am so excited. Also, I am Dominic so West, excited. I know we said this before. I just... I just want to make sure that we know this, that Dominic West's real son is playing Prince William. Oh, that's right. I think right. so. Is like, that I in this feel season? Like yeah, <laughs> yes. that will, he'll be in this season. That's yeah. Some nepotism. I don't know. So that's just something. <laughs> that's just something to think Casual about. nepotism. Yeah. I honestly, when I saw this announcement, I did interrupt your birthday celebrating to text you. Um, but I also was like, how possible would it be for Berta and I to like, this sounds so weird, but like hole up in a hotel room together and binge the whole season together. Like in one day, I don't know if I can do it. Yes, we absolutely will have to binge this together. I don't know if it'll be holed up in a hotel room. <laughs> that we'll sounded so that weird, but I was like, how can we make this luxurious for ourselves? Like actual also, royalty. I think I've been in such a swirl of like, I mean, of course we were in, you know, the funeral, the mourning period, all of that. And then my birthday and it's almost October and this comes out in early November. Like I can't believe it's We cannot so catch our royal breath. Yes. Should we hit the highs and lows? Let's hit it. Before we adjourn the royal pod. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. My low this week is the news that the palace is going to control press coverage and read showings of the Queen's memorial and funeral services. It's really interesting the way they're going about this. They're asking broadcasters to pick a total of 60 minutes out of the footage that they want to keep and re-air at later times or for, you know, the historical record. And that's it. 60 minutes. And I mean, I was glued to my TV for six hours, so it just seems impossible. I think a lot of people are saying they want to cut certain things out, like maybe it's the emotional toll in the royal family where there's like close-up shots of their faces, or maybe it's Mike Tyndall checking his watch or whatever, but it's a great story in The Guardian about this and how journalists are just left like scratching their heads as to why they would do this. We have it recorded on DVR. Why would we need to do this? Um, it's 
by, let me see, Jim Watterson in The Guardian. So I definitely recommend reading the article. Just a really weird way. And I think the palace kind of is seems like they're erasing history or like yeah, it makes kind no of sense to me censoring free speech a little bit. It's just yeah. weird. How the free would you press, have that I mean. control? Yeah, I yeah. don't get it. Milo is the Duke of Norfolk who arranged the Queen's funeral, has had his license revoked for six months. And this is because he was caught using his phone at the wheel after running a red light in April, but apparently he already has multiple speeding offenses. And he asked for clemency due to his exceptional hardship with planning the coronation because that's his next job. He planned the Queen's funeral, as I said. But my immediate take when reading through, it's a long article about this, is of course he just could hire a driver, right? That would be solved. But apparently he's quoted, he says, obviously I have the financial means to hire a driver, but impossible to have enough drivers to meet my needs around the clock. Woo. And wow. <laughs> he's apparently also worth a hundred million. And I just, I guess my low is I'm just like stressed for him. I don't know. It's a really funny sort of news I'm, alert. I'm speechless. Also give this man a break. He just planned like the biggest event in modern British history. I'm confused. But he doesn't why. sound like a great driver, Roberta. <laughs> he sounds like I was okay with, I guess, one offense, but he has he's like the most go. points. Like he's list. got two events to plan, Rachel. Give him a break. Like I would run every red light if I had to plan a funeral, a state funeral. And a coronation. And a coronation. Give this man a break. I just love that the solve of a driver is not good enough. I think that that's funny. I think he's above the law. No. (laughs) Um, All right. My high is the Waleses in Wales. This was such a fun thing to see today is Kate and William stepping out after the royal mourning period ends. And Kate is wearing an L.K. Bennett coat in red. It's so chic. It has little... um, kind of horse bit details on it, but it's called the Spencer Code. Do you think that's, I mean, it has to be, right? Bowing it has down. to be that she knows well that's done, a choice. Kate. Yes. yes. The pictures are so cute. There's like so many photos where she's posing with people in the public and it's just really sweet because I think people there really love them because they visited where they lived as newlyweds. It's Anglesey. And so it's just like such a warm homecoming welcome, it feels like. Um, and so they'll go to Swansea later today. And another tidbit from Roy and Nika that said there's no plans for a grand investiture of their titles. That feels like it makes sense. I feel yeah. like Britain is facing like super high inflation and a cost of living crisis. So that feels like the right I'm choice. I'm glad that they're we'll tuning into that. All right, Roberta, my high, the Boston News. We've gotten so we've got so many dates to reveal, but December 2nd, we officially wow. know Earthshot will be happening with Kate and William in Boston. I think just I'm flashing back to when I had like nosebleed seats at the Barclays when they were in town. I think that was their last trip to the US. And it just, I don't know, it makes me so excited. We can play this clip of William talking about Boston. In a few weeks' time, we will unveil our 2022 finalists before we take the next step in our mission and head to Boston to announce the second annual cohort of Earthshot Prize winners. I can think of no better home for the Earthshot Prize in its second year than the birthplace of President John F. Kennedy, from whom we have taken so much inspiration. I just think hearing him say Boston just gets me so excited. I feel like (laughs) Roros need to email us if they have any ideas. We're definitely brainstorming, but we're so excited. Also, the response on Instagram about this event happening in Boston, like, Massachusetts Roros, holy cow, there's so many of you. I'm so excited. Or even like New England Roros, there's a ton. And so 
hopefully we'll have more details soon. We're going to be there no matter what. I mean, you and I are We'll be breathing that royal air. (laughs) It's worth it. We'll get there. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. We would love five stars. Rachel and I have been hard at work releasing episodes for you guys, and it is so much fun. But please leave us a review if you enjoy it um, on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. And till next week, God God save save the the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.